everyone, and welcome to another edition of 10 Things Friday, where we give you 10 things you need to know in the world of retail technology and the future. Uh, June 14, 2021, Queen's birthday. Uh, here we are again, Dim. Um, lots going on around the world, in, in the world of um, retail and tech. How are you seeing things? Good. Afternoon, good morning, uh, hello everyone. Um, we're um, uh, look the world, the world, the tech and retail. It's it's always fascinating. Like uh, there's always new stuff to go and have a bit of a look around and uh, great innovation. We've got some stuff this week that I think everyone, everyone would, everyone would love. So let me let me start with um, the Robo Chef. So. Yeah, we talked about Sally the salad robot, and uh, then uh, we talked about uh, the um, other person who um, is um, uh, the the other robot that's making uh, shakes. Mm -hmm. uh, so you know, we, we spoke about those. Now mm -hmm. uh, we are now coming with uh, the latest, which is the Robo Chef. Now. For this, uh, you have to check uh, yourself into India, Bangalore. Uh, now, uh, India, as uh, you, you and I know, it's uh, got a billion plus people, a billion, uh, 1.2 billion. So there's this kitchen uh, in uh, Bangalore that uses tech and robots to make biryani the most delicious biryani ever. And the reason they got into this uh, isn't, isn't necessarily um, the, the reason you would normally think about, you know, consistency or fish or, or, or fish. It's speed. Uh, they promised to deliver anywhere in the city within 30 minutes. And they rely on a bunch of robots uh, and, and a bunch of uh, IT and tech in a ghost kitchen to deliver biryanis for lunch within 30 minutes. I thought it was uh, sensational. Now, Bangalore also happens to be one of the tech capitals of the world with quite a lot of, uh, quite a lot of people there um, working, in the, uh, uh, working in the IT uh, and the tech industry. So it's not, it's not surprising, but uh, it, it is, it is very good to uh, to see that uh, the most traditional of Indian uh, uh, cuisine is now um, uh, semi-automated through a bunch of robots. We'll put the link uh, on the website. It comes from a company called uh, Mukunda or Makanda Foods. Yeah, isn't that and interesting? And you, always, you kind of, um, because of the cheap cost of labor in uh, some you know, India, China, you, you think that, that it would in some way stifle some of those innovations because the, the you know, the economic cost doesn't really, um, or the economic benefit doesn't really add up. Um, but, uh, yeah, as you say, that you'd have to imagine a lot of entrepreneurship uh, in India um, uh, by virtue of being um, an IT hub uh, for the world, really. So, uh, interesting. Yeah, so they've got a, a walkie and they've got a couple of other contraptions that mm. uh, make uh, make make the food. So I thought it was I thought it was very interesting. Like I said, 
Um, they also expanding to other cuisines. Woki is also uh, good for Chinese and Indian recipes. But it's kind of the recipe automation. And yeah. you know, this is not deep fries as well, right? Because remember, you know, some of this food is quite, mm. uh, uh, it, it, it's got a bit of, in, it's intricate in, in its yeah. making you know, with yeah. lots of ingredients. And, lots of spices. And a bunch of yeah. other things. So to get, a, to get a good biryani out of a robot, you know, it's not mm. as straightforward as it looks. It's not, you know, your typical kind of mash together bits and mm. make a, uh, make a, a sort of like a, a drink or something or, or mix some ingredients with salad. This is cooked food. And, mm. you know, there's mixing and stirring and tossing and, you know, it's fast and slow. So, so I think there's quite a bit that goes into that. Anyway, I'm probably a bit hungry as well today as we started this, uh, this episode. But, um, well, I mean, how long before we see the first uh, robo chef in a restaurant, like a high-end restaurant, like the Flower Drum or something? I'm kind of, you know, might have gone a little bit off the edge but you know you, you, the famous chefs of the world maybe we'll have like the fam- a famous robot chef um sort yeah, of terminator yeah. kind of terminator right. sort of thing happening um cooked cooked, cooked by the world's best robot you know the latest, there you go it's got the latest version of the operating system and uh, <laughs> uh you know yep. uh, like that will be on the menu you know cooked by robot yeah. chef well it, if you and if you think about it, I could go to a restaurant and if that chef gets, we're talking about automating people's jobs. I mean, you, you could have like the, the robo chef could be as good as like, you know, um, Gordon Ramsay and, or, or whatever, like pick a famous chef and he could mm. cook, he could cook a million different, you know, a thousand different, you know, um, recipes from all mm. the great restaurants all over the world in whatever cuisine you want in one restaurant, um, you know, I could have that. Who's the guy that does the snowball The um, with all the chemistry? I forget that guy. Anyway, um, yes. Ah, yes, 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 yes. Uh, look, I, I mean, eventually, you know, we'll get to the competition where, you know, you get Master Chef and, and the robot cooks alongside some other people. Yeah. Uh, it's a bit like, you know, the, the, the old chess, the chess computers that play against the masters. So RoboChef will, will now come and, and compete mm. with a you know, blind test with the best chefs in the world, and then RoboChef will win. There you, you, know, go. You, you can see You can see where this is going. So you can see where I this is going. Fully automated McDonald's. I mean, they, they, they must be less than five, meters, five um, years away. <laughs> Fully automated. Yeah, they probably, probably exist somewhere anyway. Maybe yeah. we should create one. There we go. All right. You heard it here All first. Right. Fully automated McDonald's, five years. There we go. 2026. Bang. Right. Um, the first one for me is a little bit of a. So I, I, I followed the uh, Apple WWDC, the Worldwide Developer Conference um, that uh, was just held recently, um, just to get the latest on, on what was happening in the Apple ecosystem. Um, the one thing I thought was interesting that um, had a little bit of follow up. Uh, conversation there was a bit there but one was around they released a um a, a very much upgraded version of the weather app now the weather app is one of the most used apps on your iphone um in 2020 probably the best weather app not produced by apple called dark sky was acquired by apple a couple of years ago mm. and now what they've effectively done 
is they've used that um, to create uh, a fantastic new um, weather app and in, in the latest version of um, iOS or iOS 15. But what it effectively does is it completely nukes every other weather app <laughs> um, in the market. Now, interesting, when I was reading about what um, the problem with weather apps is that in order to produce your own weather app, you've got to subscribe to a, a feed of weather data and that costs money. And so unless you're going to on-charge that to your customers, which no one's going to pay for a weather app, some people you know, put subscriptions and some charge for it. But, um, but what these weather producing, you know, these weather app producing companies were doing was taking the location data that they would get from the users and then on selling it to others, um, which Apple didn't really think that that was a very good idea. Um, and, uh, and, that, and, that was the, and that was really the problem. So what effectively Apple has done is just kind of nuked the entire category and just decided that actually we don't like these other um, <laughs> weather apps being on our weather store. We're just going to create the world's best weather app and therefore we won't, um, you know, the, the fact that you can't create a third-party weather app that will be any better than the one that Apple gives you, um, it, it, it's kind of interesting. And I, I think this sort of, you know, really it was this, this kind of idea that Apple will just decide when to use its platform and market power um, out of the interests of its users. Um, and, and, you know, it, it will just discriminately nuke entire categories. <laughs> and, and so I think this is going to, it's a, it's a really interesting um, area of, you know, market competition but i think in this case the user is better off because there won't be any dodgy weather apps that sell your data and you'll get the world's best you get the best app that you can get so um so there you go that was just a little tidbit from wdc uh, and uh, good up. good on good on apple i i, uh, I must say uh, i do i do know that sky uh because um for a number of years now has been the popular most uh, the preferred uh, B2B go-to for weather uh, data. Uh, they do actually understand uh, the application of weather beyond the retail, you and I kind of watching what the weather's going to be the next couple of days. Mm. Um, and some of it is hooked into supply chain systems where weather affects demand mm. and they need a level of detail uh, um, associated with uh, weather effects beyond just a plain kind of wind temperature and so on, humidity and a bunch of other stuff. So uh, they've been around in, in the BTV game for quite a while. I'm, uh, I'm going to download the app now. You've inspired me. Um, <laughs> well, come default as part of iOS 15. So once you upgrade to iOS 15, you'll get the, um, the, the, the great, you know, the app. So um, there you go. Um, All right. It's a the old Microsoft lock-in, right? Like you, if you, yeah, it is. yeah you, it is. if you have the best OS and in, and well, the Internet Explorer example originally, you know, you, you create a better browser than everyone else, then there's no point going outside. Um, so there you go. Um, all right, uh, your turn again, Dim. My turn again. Uh, number mm. three today. Yeah. Um, start. I'll I'll go to High Street. I'll start with a story that uh, is. Oh, dear me. Uh, maybe 40, 
years old, maybe maybe a bit more, 50 years old, maybe sorry, about 45, 45 years years old. Where in a, in the island of Crete in Greece during the summer holiday in a remote village to the south of the island, um, I discovered that the butcher, the baker, and there was no kind of maker, but the butcher and the baker in that village were actually based on an honesty system uh, because you know they will operate the shops. Uh, in the morning, they'll bake bread and they'll cut some meat. But then for the rest of the day, they've got other things to do. So the way the honesty system works is you turned up, you weighed your, own, your meat or you, 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 you bought your bread and you left money there and you just walked away. So, you know, like this was Amazon Go before Amazon Go. You know? is, is this sort of the, the same honesty system as the taxes in Greece? So let's say... Um... Interesting, interesting observation. I shall uh, overcome the uh, 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 hidden veiled insult. Um, well, um, back then there was no GST, and uh, you know clearly because they went there when you paid the stuff, they didn't think it was income either. But um, I'll, 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 I'll move on with the story. Um, so these guys were busy. Uh, you know, with the other day jobs. So they, the butcher and the baker and the candlestick maker were only run uh, as a kind of second job, as a sideshow kind of thing. Like, you know, the one guy had uh, um, actual husbandry, animal husbandry and stuff. And, and I think the baker had some uh, vegetable gardens and things to, to run. This is, so we're talking, you know, mid 80s, Greece mid 80s. So they sort of like, that was the Amazon go before Amazon mm. go. Where you know now now in Amazon go you know go in and there's cameras and everything in and yeah um, you know you, you they know what you put in your bag and you just pay on the way out through your phone without having to interact anyone. Um, we're going back a little bit now. We're going to Evansville, Minnesota, where they now have their main street market. And this is a shop where there's no tag. Uh, you pay a subscription. You get an electronic key to the store and the store is unattended. So it's a grocery store on High Street, but the store is unattended. You pay a subscription. It's an honest system. Uh, you, pay a, you pay a subscription and then uh, you also pay for the goods. Uh, you know, there's a self-checkout machine and you pay, uh, you pay for your groceries on, on your phone. Uh, Amazon Go, but at, at a, without any other tech, just plain and simple. Here's a grocery oh. store. Um, I assume there's I assume there's cameras everywhere though. I, I am not quite sure. I, I I haven't been to Evansville there, but I will go. Mm -hmm. um, it, it does have the same principles as as Amazon Go, but it's a very low tech. Yeah. It it, it doesn't it doesn't have much yeah. it doesn't have much uh, tech into it, and it's also it's it's conventional stuff, you know, pizzas, uh, mm -hmm. snacks, drinks. Um, um, it doesn't have any vending machines and it does have security cameras. It's mm. the second one they've opened up of the chain, mm. but it's mostly relies on an honor system, which is why I started with the original story back from uh, mm. uh, the, the, the mid 80s story. It, it relies on, a, on an honor system. It's 75 bucks a year membership. And I yeah, guess okay. if you're in a small town, you know, um, um, you, you can, I was thinking you can think about this in a, in a co-op sense as well. Mm. Uh, where you know the the people who use the facility are also the owners mm. or the yeah, uh, yeah. you know the cooperative owners and you know you, you're making something uh, less attractive to steal or to pilfer mm. Mm. Um, and um, now this this is not the first one that 
there have been quite a few of those open over the years. Mm. But I thought it was interesting. Uh, you know, very low-tech Amazon Go. And so you pay, uh, you, you pay, you pay a, there's like a payment terminal on the way out? That's yeah, there's it. a payment terminal. You pay with your phone like you do in a normal supermarket. Yeah, yeah, there's a self-checkout. Right. There's a self-service yeah. checkout, uh, mm. the usual stuff. Mm. Um, and I assume, you know, that at some point or another during busy hours, they may manage or not. But the yeah. principle is that you, you pay a subscription and mm. you just enter the store, you shop, and then... Um, uh, and then you leave without, uh, you know, there's no one there. Without uh, talking to another human being. Happy days. Well, happy There days. may be so, other customers there, I'm, I'm, I'm sure. That's an interesting so, one. We've, we've, we've talked yeah. about that. Uh, seems to be the trend, though, doesn't it? It's like the less humans, um, less humans, which, yeah, we, we've spoken before on the show about the... Well, we've spoken uh, about robots. Um, well, and also the the dislocation of the person that needs social contact and likes to talk to the checkout person, you know. But increasingly, we seem to not want human contact in in retail. No, that's right. Um, which is it, it's interesting. So it's, it's um, interesting, isn't it? It's, it is. But the, the shop is on High Street, though. So this is this is mm. even more interesting. Mm. Like, you know, why would you take something like this and put it on High Street? Like it could be anywhere. You know yeah. what I mean? Like. So the convenience and the interaction is still is still there, but uh, mm. um, we'll uh, we'll see how that progresses. Okay. Um, number four. Four. We're going slowly today, but that's okay. Um, I just want. It's a bit of a shout out, I think. Um, but I was reading how. Um, so for those of you who aren't aware, Melbourne, Victoria, we've just been through another lockdown. Um, and uh, so, you know, generally terrible for most uh, bricks and mortar retailers, but great for e-commerce. Um, Art Marketplace Blue Thumb, um, during the week of lockdown, it's only for two weeks, experienced its first million dollar week. Um, but founder George Hartley reports that Compared to the month prior to lockdown, Blue Thumb sales up 216% and conversion rate is up 114%. Um, I had a look at a bit of look at Blue Thumb. Um, it's a it's a really nice art uh, marketplace. I know you're into your um, into your art, uh, Dean, but uh, I thought it's uh, check it out bluethumb.com.au. Um, but yeah, again, it just I guess highlights that you know, not all uh there are winners and losers out of every lockdown uh, but um uh, they certainly the the art marketplaces and other online marketplaces do exceptionally well during a, a good lockdown so right. so there you go blue thumb blue thumb i'll um I, I do i do like my art and maybe we'll have an art program or an art podcast at a different time um well I, i'm just going to take this kind of next level now so um what a what a beautiful segue to uh, non-fungible tokens. Can, can you explain to me exactly what a non-fungible token is? Well, we've we've had this on on this show before, but I, I like the you know it's the trading cards. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So non-fungible token is a is a digital mm. asset of sorts, mm. and it's called yeah. non-fungible because it sort of sits on a some sort of blockchain or something that it can be imitated, it cannot be replicated in some form or another. Yeah. Well, so on the 
10th of June just passed. Mm. We've had a non-fungible token art auction by Sotheby's. So mm. for those that don't know, Sotheby's is one of the two or three biggest uh, art uh, sellers in, in the world. And they've had mm. a, a, an auction. Now, I'll give you a bit of an idea. Uh, so I'll, I'll, I'll mention something specific. It was an online auction with, with uh, the, the bidding is now closed. Mm. Chap called Kevin McCoy uh, with a digital art called Quantum mm. sold it for 1.472 million US dollars. Yeah. yeah. You don't actually get anything with it. <laughs> like, like it, it, it's, it's, it's totally, totally yeah. digital. Yeah. Um, well, I, we, I don't, we, I don't we, actually know what you get with that. 1.5 million US dollars. Yeah. Remember, we talked about that um, Beeple, that, um, mm. you know, that NFT that sold for 69 million at Christie's. Mm. Um, it, it is crazy. I mean, it, it's going to, I mean, it's cooled off a lot. Like it went through. Hype, you know, hit the top of the hype cycle. This this whole NFT, NFT it did, business. it but, did, yeah, it did. Uh, but it's still out there. I think it's maturing a little bit. It's it's kind of interesting. So I wonder um, how you know the, the trading card business. You know whether mm. that will stick. Whether that you know the the NBA Top Shop. Um, whether that's the way I'm gonna. Whether the whether the kids will get into it. I think is where we're gonna see. Um, uh, we'll we'll see. Yeah, yeah. I, I think I think it will. If there's somebody actually spending 1.5 US hmm. on a on an auction on a Wednesday afternoon, <laughs> it, it, it will stick. So I mean, it, and the art wasn't anything exceptional, based on my personal opinion. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, well, neither was yeah. the people, and and that's the thing. Mm, like you can actually download right. this stuff off. I could I could download that thing, and it's exactly. It's just not the the original one or mm. the one that's been authenticated using the blockchain. So, um, interesting. Mm. Oh, very oh, good. That was, that was okay. my number five. Right. Where am I going? All right, I'm going to get back into restaurants. Um, and then this is the negative part of um, social media or um, in some respects. So... As America opens up and as the world opens up, um, some uh, bars, restaurants, clubs, sports, they, they have vaccine requirements. So you can, you know, you can only go if you um, can demonstrate that you've um, uh, been vaccinated. And, uh, um, and what's happening is the anti-vaxxers are... Um, uh, basically, you know, because what's happening is there's, there's poli policies for vaccinated people and then policies for unvaccinated. It's sort of like mm. you become like a smoker. You have to go smoke outside <laughs> if you're unvaccinated. <laughs> um, and it seems to be, be what's happening. But anti-vaxxers, what they're doing to denigrate the restaurateurs and the bars and to... Um, because uh, they obviously don't like this idea, they're um, posting negative reviews on Yelp and Google, which is bringing, causing, um, you know, the ranking of, you know, these these bars and, and whatever to be, to go right down um, to one-star reviews. And that actually impacts business. Um, 
because if I've got a one-star review on Yelp or Google, then, you know, clearly um, that's that's not a good thing. Now, Google, uh, you know, they're trying to um, fix that, but, but those platforms allow any review from anyone. There's no discrimination. Mm. Um, but it, it's, an, it's another way of spreading misinformation and... Um, uh, which is yeah really sad I reckon but it, again it's it's sort of another um, problem to solve as the world opens up um, from the kooks that are uh, spreading all this this rubbish so, it so is, there you uh, go it's just a, a very uh, that's interesting it's interesting yeah it's just sort of almost like yeah yeah the world do you think there will be a post-covid world or, or, or uh, some sort of post-pandemic world and the new split will be between, you know, vaxxers and anti-vaxxers. You know, the sort of the left-right, the new left-right split. I don't think so. Well, uh, is, is it there already? I mean, isn't this the whole Trumpism, the, you know, QAnon and that far right and uh, everything's... Is that, is, it, is that this just an extension of all of that? Are, are we going to ask them all to smoke outside? <laughs> um, prove your well, idea. Um, well, I've been, I've been reading some European news and they're having some deep conversation uh, because, you know, they're now reaching a stage where it's going to come for, for, for Australians, but they're now reaching a stage where they're looking at um, how to further incentivize vaccine uptake. Because they've reached plateaus now, like there's plenty of vaccine right. around. I don't, I don't know if you noticed, there's plenty of vaccine around. And like we predicted in this program, there will be a glut by October. Mm. There will be just too much, especially mm. the expensive stuff to, to consume. So yep. they're now reaching, they're, they're reaching the plateauing now where, mm. you know, they're trying to find new ways of incentivizing people to, to vaccinate. Now, we've seen that in the US already. Yeah, uh, the, lot, but, the lotteries and, yep. The lotteries and so now Europe isn't creating lotteries, but they... They're considering uh, ways of uh, providing privileges, mm. uh, and and some 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 European countries are, are now considering mandating vaccination. I mean, in in some ways, you know, mm. this is this is a little bit. Uh, I mean, the conversations we had before. You know, if you want to get send your kid to school, they yeah. need to get vaccinated. Otherwise, yeah. they don't go to school because you know what I mean. Like the, mm. there is a so I suspect there will be something like this emerging. Yeah. Uh, as as public opinion shifts, so so there's a lot of discussion that's going on around around that, and, and there's levels of grey. You know, can you force somebody to have the vaccine? Well, mm. it's an interesting question, right? I mean, you, you you know, I don't I don't think I've answered that. I don't think I've answered that myself to fully. Although I have, mm. I, I'm on I'm on the path of getting fully vaccinated. So to to be mm. clear, <laughs> uh, but but I haven't I haven't I haven't quite answered that. You know, can you force somebody? Uh, to be vaccinated. But like I said, you know, you wouldn't send your kids to school unless they're vaccinated, right? I mean, you know, mm. um, a lot of countries... Well, which, is, require... which is, it's the argument for the greater good, isn't it? It's like, well, my individual decisions should not impact, yes. you know, the greater good. Um, yes, you that's can right. make your individual decision. That's fine. That's right. But then don't expect the same, yeah, privileges, no, to your point. That's, as, that's, uh, exactly, that's exactly right. So, yeah... It's developing. Like I said, I haven't made up my mind either. I, I do. I do find that you know, mandating anything kind of, kind of goes against my 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 basic self. You know, the, the primitive in me kind of goes, well, you can't just mandate anything, really. Sorry, I mean, you can't. But then again, you know, you mandate everything pretty much. You know, you get into the car, you have to put your belt on, otherwise, it's yeah. fine. You get into the plane. Oh, you know yeah. what I mean? Like, there's a this, lot of mandating in our lives anyway. So 
It is a bit, com- yeah, I'm a bit confused by that statement given the number of architecture mandates we've made over the years. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't talking to professional capacity. Uh, everything is mandated in that sense. Um, very good. Uh, oh, you're in a good form today. Next. Your second, next. second, third dig for the program. Very good. Um, well, so the next one's interesting. So I'll start with the title and then you can give me a bit of what you think. So Qantas is training their pilots for the cloud. Now, uh, you kind of go... I would hope they train them for clouds. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you, you'd, you'd, hope, you'd, hope, you'd hope that's exactly the response I had, that you'd hope they train them for the cloud. However, over eight weeks uh, in March and April, 80 pilots and, and other uh, Qantas crew were actually trained on, on the Amazon Web Services cloud. Not, not the cloud the planes fly through, which you'd expect mm. they'd be trained for. And perhaps and, uh, more useful given the context. <laughs> somewhat. <laughs> I, I, did, I, did find, I did find the idea of training pilots, upskilling pilots uh, to Amazon Web Services somewhat perplexing, but it's not uncommon. Um, uh, the, one of the banks, Telstra, came out, a bunch of other people have done the same thing in a smaller scale. So, you know, it, it does wonder. I mean, if, 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 my, uh, if my company trains me for something that's not relevant to my job, I'd be looking for a job. It would be my kind of, uh, <laughs> the way I'd read that. But I thought it was a good title. I mean, you know, uh, airline uh, trains pilots for the cloud. I thought that... Uh, I thought that was a good title to mention. Do you, do you so, think that's just because they're all sitting around on runways because they're not? Yeah, I think so. I think so. Yeah, no, I yeah. think so. And, and okay. I think it's it's like, um, you know, it's just like awareness, you know, like it's just, you know, probably it's like training or horticulture. Maybe there was a whole bunch of different programs. Mm. And then generally speaking, you know, pilots are smart, smart type of people, right? I mean, you know, they're not, mm. you know, they, they fly those machines and so on. But I thought it was. I thought it was interesting. Um, oh, well, when they're uh, yeah, in between jobs, they can punch out a bit of um, a bit of serverless code. Yeah, <laughs> and, I, guess, and get some, uh... I guess so. Uh, maybe yeah. maybe that's where we're going. You know, then then the next thing will be oh, hold well, on a minute. Let me reboot the service. Yeah. Let me reboot the microservices. Ladies and gentlemen, we have a small problem with the left engine of the aircraft. I'm just rebooting the microservices <laughs> on the Amazon cloud. We'll be back on our way shortly. Oh God! Let's I hope that's what we get to that. Yeah. Yeah. I hope so. I hope. I hope. Uh, okay. Um, number seven. Number seven. Right. What have I got? Ah, yes. Okay. This is another little interesting, weird kind of corner of the internet. Um, a business will fall victim to a ransomware attack every eleven seconds this year, um, and then a lot of. Um, a lot of businesses just don't have a plan uh, if that happens. And basically, um, also, these businesses have never really dealt with Bitcoin, which is the currency of choice for uh, ransom payments. Um, and so there's a company that has cropped up, which is called Digital Mint, and that will be, and it's a full service, final mile crypto broker. Um, and what they say is we're at the end of the process. 
So after the forensic consultants, the company and the stakeholders have all made the determination they've exhausted all their options and that paying the ransom from an economic perspective is the best way forward, that's when the company like us, Digital Mint, will help them acquire crypto at any time of the day or night to pay the ransom. So in the space of 30 to 60 minutes from the initial contact, Digital Mint uh, is able to make the ransom payment for the victim uh, and then um, and then all good. And so since January 2020, Digital Mint said it's, it has facilitated more than 100 million in ransomware settlements with a median payment of $800,000 is incredible. So basically the organisations are going, it will cost us more in downtime or whatever it is, we'll just pay it. Just um, pay and and that, that number was staggering because I thought that most would go, no, nah, you know, let's not encourage this horror show. <laughs> um, the FBI That's probably says that, but they're paying. Yeah, there will be. There will be pain. It's extraordinary, isn't it? It is. And so clearly, if you're a hacker, happy days. Keep doing it. I I wonder. Bitcoins are us. That's a new virtual. Bitcoins are us. (laughs) Well, this is American. This is digital mint. Um, I I wonder what the Australian version is. Maybe maybe we should start. There's another business idea. We'll start at last mile, um, (laughs) last desperation. Pay, pay the ransom. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. That's my number. Wow. Repeat that number again. How, how much? Uh, where were we? So the number was um, 100 million since January 2020. Just this company. So this isn't the market. Yeah, no, no, tip of the digital month. Yeah, Digital Mint has facilitated more than 100 million in ransomware <sighs> settlements with a median payment of $800,000. Wow. Wow. Oh, well, uh, we certainly, our businesses don't have that sort of money that can keep whatever data they get hold of. You know, they can keep yeah. the mandates. Yeah. Uh, well, well um, and well, here's, okay. another, here's another stat. Last year, crypto ransomware payments overall quadrupled from 2019 to 350 million. Um, but digital mint, uh, reckons that's understated because there'd be a lot that just don't, uh, you know, just not uh, no press, no press, no, no dis- <laughs> um, disclose. It's the, interesting. The, the, true no, the true number is probably closer to a billion. Crypto cryptocurrency found another, yet another notoriety, edge of notoriety, yet again. You know, the sort yeah. of it doesn't seem to be going away. Very good. Uh, I'm coming back to number nine, and this is one of my favorites. Now, we did say this. We did mention in this program before, like we did a lot of things, and it is true. Um, uh, last uh, last week, the last few days, NBN, the monopoly that delivers a not so good internet service to your home, is now claiming that 5G is competition, and they want to relent their monopoly status. This is just unbelievable. So the company that spent, I don't know, gazillions of dollars in physical infrastructure, taxpayer money, may I add, uh, is now claiming that 5G is competition and they want to revert from their monopoly status and therefore charge whatever they want. When, when somebody wants to challenge their monopoly status, that means just let me do whatever I see fit. Wow. Uh, no comments. Uh, absolutely, absolutely no comments. 
<laughs> when I saw the article, it's highly unlikely, by the way, that the regulator, the Australian Consumer Competition Commission, will allow this. But it's just, it just goes, it just goes to, to show, you know, the the, the level of uh, the level at which these guys are operating, isn't it? Unbelievable! I just couldn't believe it. Um, public statement: They're going back again. Now, yeah. uh, to, to be also clear, they they've had a their target advertised for a long time now is to take up a 73 to 75% take up target. That's uh, to replace 73 to 75% of the fixed line footprint, right? The, the mm. sort of thing. <laughs> now that, that target was originally set sometime in the last century. And, and that target keeps moving from financial year 21 to 22 to 23. We now are 24. Where they're, gonna, they're never going to reach that target. They're just never going to reach that target. Technology, like everything else, technology has superseded what is now clearly uh, a, a, an absolute fossil. Uh, an absolute fossil uh, has, has clearly superseded. Uh, and, you know, it, it will be 6G next. I mean, it's just, it's yeah, just, yeah. It's just ridiculous. It's just... Anyway, that's, yeah. that's your, your from uh, our friends at NBN. Oh dear! Another NBN update. That's what we like. Another NBN update. That's what we like. <laughs> um, okay, last from me. Uh, oh, look, just a little bit on the lighter side, I guess. PayPal uh, is launching a credit card, an actual physical credit card, which um, to uh, it's nine point one million Australian users, which is interesting because and and. That maybe isn't that interesting. But what I thought was interesting just in this article was around just the decline overall of credit cards and credit card portfolios in general. So last year, so basically credit card balances have been in decline since the GFC, but the trend accelerated last year with credit card portfolios shrinking by about 20% as customers paid down debt and cut discretionary um, spending, but probably the other thing that's happening in this market is the growing popularity of BNPL, buy now, pay later, um, especially in the younger uh, demographic, uh, demographic. And the stock of credit card debt accruing interest, total number of accounts has fallen by about 900,000. Um, what was the other thing that I saw here? Um, and... The total average annualised balances have reduced by 25% in three years with the metrics for balances accruing interest gloomier still. So, well, one, it, it's an interesting, why would you launch a credit card when things are kind of mm. <laughs> all yeah. going backwards? But, uh, yeah, it, I, I suppose it, it really just showed uh, the extent of the decline in credit cards and... It you is. know, how we think about payments and, you know, related to retail as well, like how, you know, you're thinking about um, payments. Um, there's just so many different payment options now um, and the younger demographic are using the the afterpays and the planners and whatever else. Mm. So there you go. That's number 10. I'll um, enjoy today's episode uh, more so than... Uh... Uh, some recent ones. So there's, there's uh, some very interesting stuff. Um, thank you everyone for uh, listening and uh, subscribing and supporting. We'll um, talk to you next week.
Have a great week, everyone. We'll talk to you then.